0: How many of you have uh, ever taken a trip to Washington, D.C. at any time, tours or whatever, and you did uh, the White House? Who did the White House? Okay. Uh, The Capitol, or did you just go and party or do something like that? But uh, we won't get into that. But in the U.S. Capitol building, and I have not seen this, uh, but I've read about it, that in the U.S. Capitol building in Washington... There are statues. Uh, they have what they call a statue, statuary hall, and there are statues in this massive hall in the U.S. Capitol honoring different individuals for each of the 50 states. Most of them, I believe, are at least one statue, but Hawaii has two statues, and one of the statues is uh, a statue of one of the early founders or prominent uh individuals of Hawaii named King Kamehameha. Try that for exercise. I won't do it again. The second statue, they have two. Not all states, I believe, have two. I might be wrong. But they have not only to this king, who played a prominent role in Hawaii's history, but they also have a statue there in the U.S. Capitol honoring a priest by the name of Father Damien. Now, you may be familiar with Father Damien. Sometimes he was referred to as the leper priest, that in 1864, he went to one of the islands in Hawaii. Well, when Hawaii began to be discovered, or at least exploited, maybe might be the better word, by the Europeans, that not only did they uh, bring all the commercial stuff, but they brought... Uh, the diseases and all the things that went with it. And one of the unique uh, diseases that seemed to dominate much of Hawaii was leprosy. Leprosy. We're going to talk about leprosy in a little bit in our Bible passage. But one of the islands or one of the areas actually was given uh, to the lepers as a leper colony. And so Father Damien uh, believed that God had called him and he volunteered to move to this island and serve on this island to minister to the lepers. Well, by doing that, he himself contracted leprosy. I'll show you his picture here uh, of Father Damien, that that is what Father Damien looked like probably not far after he went there. Here's a picture of Father Damien with some of those who were on that island who were leprous. And he contracted leprosy and died, I believe, at the age of 49 years of age that he ministered there for 16 years. As a result of his ministry uh, there serving this leper community that he was able to be used by the Lord to establish uh, modern medical uh, technology of its day, uh, a modern hospital, and the Lord used him. And so I thought about Father Damien in in a sense, not to exactly parallel, but just as Father Damien lived among the lepers, okay? We'll talk about that disease, and you're probably familiar with it. It's not very common today because of medicine, but there are still modern leper colonies in different parts of the world. But just as Father Damien lived among those with leprosy, ...and took their illness, even infecting his own body where he died of the very disease... ...I thought of how really that parallels the ministry of Jesus. Now, obviously, Father Damien's not Jesus. You get that. But it parallels of how Jesus came to dwell among us, live among us, and take on our disease. What's our disease? Sin. And this was, uh, to me, uh, an example... Of, of how God, Jesus came to this earth as a pure, sinless man, lived among us, and took on our sin to become sin for us. And this morning, I invite you to open your Bibles to Mark chapter 1, and I'll just let you uh, sit down as we read. But I want us to look at this together and walk through Mark chapter 1. I'm going to read some verses that I uh, ministered last week when I talked about Jesus and prayer. I'm going to just pick it up for context sake, but we'll look at verses 35 through 45, and you can follow with me on the screen. or I hope you brought your Bibles. I'm u- using the ESV, the English Standard Version, and uh, we'll uh, just read this. Uh, as I read it, you can follow along. And rising very early... In the morning, while it was still dark, he departed, Jesus departed, and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. Again, if you weren't here last week, go online and listen to why Jesus prayed. And Simon, or Peter, and those who were with him, searched for him. And they found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you, just like when you get alone to pray. Everything starts happening, and everybody wants your attention. And he said to them... Let us go on to the next towns that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out, or why I was born. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. And in our passage that we'll zero in on this morning, verse 40, it says, And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, If you will... You can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately, say immediately, the leprosy left him and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest's and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a, what, proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it, (laughs) did the very opposite thing, and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places, and people were coming to him, coming to Jesus, from every quarter. Can we pray once again? Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you that it is true, it is reliable. Lord, it is food to our needy souls here today. Lord, everyone here came in with a need of something in their life. And I pray that just as we saw Jesus touch this man's life, Father, that we will believe, God, that you can touch us today at our deepest need. Whatever that is, whatever that worry, that concern is, That, Jesus, you still touch lives. You still can change and transform, Lord, the most untouchable among us. And so, Lord, we look to you to convince us in your word, convict us by your word. And, Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, I want us to look at, in this passage, primarily from verse 40 on. If you see me fidgeting with stuff, you just know I'm that way. Uh, I'm a fidgeter. And so I'm not, I'm still used to my surroundings. So I'm constantly adjusting everything. So you just pray for my uh, delay. But I know I am keep moving things. I keep adjusting things. as I'm still, like Pastor Chris, I'm still getting used to these speakers. And I feel like, you know, if I'm going to trip over them, so... That's free, all right? I'm just being neurotic with you a little bit. All right, let's get into this. All right, first of all, in Mark chapter 1, I want you to notice three things about this and how this parallels. Is Number one is that it shows us that we all suffer from a condition that defiles us. Here was a man who had a disease of leprosy, and yet the Bible reminds us that how this parallels our own situation, our own condition that defiles us. Now, in Bible times, leprosy was, I mean, that was like one of the major diseases that, that just isolated a person. I mean, they, they were totally cut off if a person contracted leprosy. Sometimes it's also called Hansen's disease. And it affects the skin tissue, and it affects the nerve endings. That eventually what happens is the skin and the nerves become so uh, cut off that it eventually leads to the skin actually becoming brittle and and rotting literally off a person's body. It's a terrible disease, and it's a communicable disease. And leprosy not only affected the individual uh, physically, but the Bible seems to attach to it, as you read the Old Testament, attach to it a spiritual aspect. To leprosy. Uh, one passage of scripture, and I'll just read it, is in Leviticus 13 that reads, and the Bible has a lot to say about how the leper, as far as they're being diagnosed and how they related to the community of Israel. And in Leviticus uh, 13, let me see if I have that up here. Hold on just a second here. In Leviticus, yeah, I do have it here. Okay. Leviticus 13, and look with me at verses 45 through 46. Those who suffer from a serious, this is the New Living Translation, those who suffer from a serious skin disease or leprosy must tear their clothing and leave their hair uncombed. They must cover their mouth and call out, unclean, unclean. As long as the serious disease lasts, they will be what? ceremonially unclean. They must live in isolation in their place outside the camp. So you see that when a person was contracted with leprosy, it not only affected their spiritual, their physical life, but it changed the dynamic of their entire lifestyle and their community. And so the law is very, has a lot of laws and strictness because if that disease was not isolated... If it was not protected, what would be the end result to the entire nation or the entire city or the community? What could happen? They could all get leprosy. And so it was as much protecting those others in the community as well as uh, the individual themselves. Well, again, none of us thankfully have leprosy. But we do have a condition that defiles us and that defigures God's creation. And the Bible calls that sin. And when we think about leprosy and sin, there's just some parallels that I want to note here. Is that like leprosy, sin starts small but grows. You've heard this from me and other people. It's not original with me. But sin will always take you farther than you wanted to go, make you stay longer than you wanted to stay and make you pay more than you wanted to pay. Sin may start out trivial and fun and interesting, and there's many times as a pastor where I have sat across from the table with an individual or a couple or a family, and they're in a situation that began small, and they say, how did we get to this place? Or the man would say, how did I get to this place? When he's lost his family... And, and the situation, again, i go into details, but how did I get here? Because you started out thinking that if I can run this red light and get away with it, then I can run every red light and get away with it. That's just not the case. Sin, like leprosy, starts small. According to Leviticus, leprosy began with just a small spot on the skin, and what it would do is it would, it would spread through other parts of the body. Only after 14 days of examination in the Old Testament could a Jewish priest declare a leper clean. There had to be this 14-day process. And then if the Jewish priest declared this individual clean, then they could return back to full participation into the community. Well, once leprosy was diagnosed, there was no turning back. The same way is that we are all born with a sin nature. The Bible says that we are born sinners. Our nature is sinful. And sometimes what will happen, or all the time, is that once as we grow older, and little sinners grow into what? Big sinners, right? And those things that we seem as small and, and insignificant, all of a sudden, they become large. You know, it's interesting when you see individuals who have committed heinous crimes, it's often the case that they will want to go back and study their early childhood because they can begin to see patterns in their childhood. But listen, we all have a pattern. We are all born bent to sinning. We are all bent to violating the purposes of God, the laws of God. Nobody has to teach a child how to lie. Nobody has to teach a child to take something that doesn't belong to them right? Or to be rebellious against their parents. Nobody has to teach them that. Now, unfortunately, the culture reinforces that as they get older. Isn't that the case? But nobody has to teach that. Why? Because our nature is bent and sinful against God. But unless we allow Jesus Christ to change us, to transform us, there is no hope. This leper came to Jesus that without Christ, Changing his life, there is no hope. You know, you've heard the, um, you've heard the uh, phrase about the frog in the kettle. I hope nobody ever tries this out. But, you know, if you put a frog in boiling water, the frog's going to do what? Jump out. But if you put the frog in nice, cool water, and then you gradually turn up the heat, I don't know what people are boiling frogs for, but... Maybe there's some, some ritual in that. But you get the idea that after a period of time, is the frog won't be able to do anything and it will be too late. That's what happens when we get ourselves entrapped in situations. We think, you know what, let me try this. Nobody ever started out on heroin. It always started out with some other more quote-unquote innocent addiction. Or some simple addiction. But you know and I know people that are in bondage and engulfed in the addiction of that drug and other drugs that said the moment they tried it, they knew they were hooked. Well, sin, my friend, you don't have to try it. You're hooked already. And leprosy, like sin, deadens the nerve endings. The physical aspect of leprosy, it deadens the nerve endings. You know what happens? is that you can no longer have feeling in your hands or your body. Imagine how troublesome that would be if a leper was uh, doing something that required the sensitivity of maybe something on a stove or a fire. They couldn't feel the heat, and eventually they would be harmed and perhaps killed because the way that God designed the body, those nerve endings to send off the signals to alert us that pain is happening here. They can't feel it a person who is allowed sin to engulf them in behavior and action can no longer make any kind of choices that where they can begin to call, where they begin to call right wrong and wrong right they're so confused because the spiritual nerve endings that even remain in a certain moral conscience of a fallen believer are gone because of sin like leprosy, sin isolates us from the blessings of God. I mentioned earlier that one of the things that the uh, prescription in the Jewish community was to isolate the leper and to isolate them among other individuals. Uh, they were truly the untouchables. And that's not Elliot Ness and Kevin Costner and all that. They were the untouchables. If there ever was the definition of an outcast, they were Outcasts, and what they all they could do was to band together. That's the reason you hear about leper colonies, or islands, or places, because there would be no other place that would have them, and so they would gather together in that own, their own little community because of their commonality of their disease. You know, I thought of the modern equivalent today, and there might be others, but the one that came to my mind is people who are released from, with sex offenses. What is often the case? Nobody will touch them. Nobody will have anything to do with them. Right? Right? But what the, what is their only hope in many ways that just exists is to what? Band together. And oftentimes they will, uh, you know, find small uh, communities or, or homes or whatever where others of that like-minded. That's kind of a modern equivalent of a... Modern outcast in our society. You with me? You tracking? As Matt Chandler said, see, I'm going to get that in my vocabulary. Uh, but uh, slap me if I, I say tracking too much. But they were excluded. In the Old Testament law, they could not participate in any of the spiritual activities. They weren't allowed to participate and involve themselves in the spiritual aspects of the life of Israel. They were outcasts, and how tragic. But this is what sin does. It isolates you. It separates you. It keeps you from the blessings of God. Just like this leper, Isaiah 59 nine two reminds us of how sin affects us. Where Isaiah the prophet says, Isaiah 59.2 says, But your iniquities or your sins have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. So what about you and I today? If you have ever or if you may right now have the sense that God is far away that I'm just not close to God, let me encourage you to look and examine, is there any deliberate known sin in your life of behavior that has separated you from relationship with the one that made you? Somebody, and I've repeated this, somebody will say, I feel so far from God. Who moved? Who moved? Also We're talking about how we all suffer a condition that defiles us, is leprosy, like sin, left unchecked, always leads to death. A few weeks back, I shared with you about the Talmud. That was the primary guidebook of rabbinical teaching that the Jewish authorities in Jesus' day followed. Okay, It was the Rabbinical commentary and teachings of the Old Testament. And in there, there is a rabbinical prayer for rabbis to pray over a person who is found with leprosy. It's not a prayer for healing, it's more like a funeral prayer. Because the mindset was this person is walking dead, walking dead. There was no hope. There is a digression of sin that if left unchecked, always leads to death. You know the Bible verse in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, the wages, finish it, is death. The payment, what are wages? You get wages maybe once every couple weeks or once, whatever it is. You get a payment for the work you do, wages. What's the wages? What's the earnings of sin? It's always in doses, small denominations, death, 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 death. James reminds us, and I think I may even have that scripture because I really wanted you to see it and impress on you the scripture. But in James chapter 1, beginning at verse 13, notice the digression of sin in these few verses here. Remember it begins verse 13, we taught on James last year. Let no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. Okay? Everybody got that? God doesn't use evil to tempt you. But what does it say in verse 14? It says, but each person, say each person. Each person is tempted when he or she is lured. You know what a lure is, Mr. Dave, our fisherman out there? And where's the other Mr. Dave? Uh, our fisherman. Our fisherman is lured and enticed by their what? Own desire. And notice what it says, That what happens next. Then desire when it has conceived. That's a picture of something, a small seed giving life to give what? Birth. When it has conceived, it was small at the time, but it will conceive and give birth, To sin, and sin when it is fully grown. It doesn't stay a little baby sin. James says, but when it is fully grown, brings forth what? Brings forth death. And so, the Bible says that we are all touched with a condition. We all have a condition that defiles us. So what can we do about it? Well, that leads us secondly to look at the second part. Of our passage here in Mark 1 verse 40 and on is that our only hope is to seek Jesus Christ for a cure. Is that controversial? Huh? Well, why then do we seek everything else except Him? The lepers thought or knew that if I don't get to Jesus, I have no he already was the walking dead. He had no hope. The leper did something very courageous. Verse 40 the leper came to Christ. He came to Christ. He heard about Jesus, fought his way through the crowd. I say fought his way, but given his situation, I think they might have that would have been like a Red Sea party. Do you get that effect, right? He fell on his face and begged Jesus to heal him. That was the most important life-changing decision of his entire life is that he came to the right source. He came to the one who could change him and make his life new. The leper demonstrated two qualities here that I don't want you to miss. One is that he came in humility. Humility just means you know what, I don't have it all together. I need help. Sometimes that's the most difficult place for people to begin is to acknowledge I need help. When people come in or or talk to me or converse with me or others of you and they've got this laundry list of what's wrong, and you want to say, well, how is your way working for you? Because you don't want my advice or my counsel or other. How's that working for you? Not so good. Notice that the leper, in this humility, in the way he approached Jesus, notice that he didn't come up and demand healing from Jesus. Some folks you'd listen to on TV tell us that we have to demand God to do something. What did he say? He said, if, if. God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. Remember what Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit? Now, that doesn't mean poverty poor in the sense of economics. Poor in spirit, one translation. It might be the New Living Translation. But it says, blessed are those who declare bankruptcy on their self. That's where it begins. Blessed are those who have declared bankruptcy of self, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You can't receive if you're full. That's the reason Jesus had the crowds that followed him were needy people. They were hungry. They were poor. They were sick. Why? Because their need was ever before them. They didn't have any uh, facades to impress anybody with. They needed Jesus. And they often came to Jesus in great humility. But we go through this. The reason I mention is this controversial because we have this denial thing. Deny that I have an issue. Deny that I have a problem. We read James earlier. If you read on in chapter 1 of James, remember he says that a person... And again, I realize in context he's talking to the believer, but you'll get the point. Is that he says the person who denies that they have sin is like the man or woman that looks in the mirror... And then walks away and forgets what they saw. When we get up in the morning, we don't look so jazzy and great, do we? You look in the mirror and you think, oh my goodness, I aged 10 years overnight. You know? Your hair looks like the lead singer from a rock band in the mid-80s and the new way, you know? I mean, you look like Sid Vicious or something, remember that name? Uh... All right, don't digress on me. Don't digress. But you imagine you look at yourself in the mirror and you just continue to get dressed and you go to work. Well, I know there are people like that, but I'm excluding this company here. You just forget what you saw. When we look in the Word and we hear the counsel of God speak into our spirit... God is for us, not against us believers. And therefore, we walk away and say, "Eh, I think I'll keep doing what I want to be doing. You're in denial. You cannot change what you do not acknowledge. And so if you live in denial that there's no problem, imagine this leper and says, yeah, you know, it's it's good. It's all right. It's just a minor skin irritation. I've got some lotions I've got going on and... uh, Bought some balm on TV I saw from that, you know, uh, if you call now, you get two free and some ginsu knives. You know, I'm working on that now. I'm working on that. No, (laughs) he admitted that he had an issue and Jesus was his only hope. We are like that in our nation. America does not believe, and let's, let's quit picking on America. The church doesn't believe there's an issue. You realize the scripture, and I, again, know it's directed to Israel, but... It's also a principle that's true that we can uh, believe for our life. And and, and Chronicles, 1 Chronicles, maybe now my mind just went blank. But if my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves, pray, change from their wicked ways. Who is that addressed to? Pagans? If my people will repent, will acknowledge you've got issues, you've got problems, you've got sin that is keeping me from blessing you if my people will call on my name. You've heard this from our transformation classes, that instead of transformation, we often want reformation. We want to reform ourselves. I've got a problem, but you know what? I'm self-medicating myself. I'm going to be fine. Because doesn't the Bible say that God helps those who help themselves? you realize 80-90% of believers think that that's in the Bible? Here's a little hint. It's not. It's not even in the maps. The truth is, God helps those who can't help themselves. This leper also approached Jesus in faith. I alluded to this earlier when he said... Now, again, some people might look at this and say, well, this is really a lack of faith because he said, if. If. Don't ever pray if. You declare and demand. I don't see that here. He said, Lord, if. If you are willing. If you're willing. I know that you can make me clean. There is a balance between Biblical, confident faith and presumptuousness. There's a balance there. And don't go to one extreme or the other. Be confident in the promises of God. But not my will, Jesus even prayed, but what? Thy will be done. Simple faith is that. Simple. Not presuming upon the will of God, but believing that God, if you are willing, I have full confidence that you can do this. But I'm resting my confidence in you. This morning, you may have a need. And it begins by admitting and telling God about your need and coming to before Him in that humility of saying, Lord, my way, my way up to this point is disastrous. Or my approach in handling this issue, but I'm going to ask you to help me. It may not be a physical need, it may not be, but it may be an emotional need, it may be an economic need. Whatever it is, Jesus can handle that. But it just requires that we come before him and say, Lord, if you are willing, I know that you can make me clean. Third aspect and last one here is not only do we all suffer from a condition that defiles us, our only hope is to seek Jesus for a cure but thirdly the touch of Jesus changes us forever There's three things here that I want you to notice in this latter part of this passage. Is first of all notice what Jesus says. He says He says I am willing. He says I am willing. What does that tell us? It tells us that Jesus shows compassion to those who seek Him. Aren't you glad that Jesus is compassionate? I said this last week that it just maybe is more for me than anything, that we have to be careful that we don't turn the church or portray the church more as a courtroom instead of a hospital room. Do you hear what I'm saying? The church is not a courtroom. It's a place for people to come and be healed in every way possible to be reminded that Jesus is still willing to touch lives and that Jesus is compassionate. Jesus is compassionate. Jesus recognized his faith and responded with great emotion, great feeling. Now, there were thousands of lepers in that day and time. But at that moment in that time, there was one who said, Jesus, if you're willing and Jesus touched him. In fact, later on the Bible says that Jesus healed 10 lepers. Jesus is willing if we will believe and we ask. But notice also in this passage as he says to be clean. What do we get there? Is it means that Jesus touches us at the point of our need, of need. Whatever your need is, we think, well, You know, that's so trivial compared to somebody who's going to be facing surgery. Listen, nothing is trivial if it's your need. If it's a need to you and it's keeping you up at night and it's the first thing you think about when you get up in the morning, it's the last thing you think about when you go to bed, when you're in there stumbling trying to make coffee in the dark, it's all you're thinking about. Let me tell you, friend, that's a need. And God is not indifferent to our needs. Big, great, small. Jesus says in this context, look at verse 13. Um, not verse 13. What verse am I? Verse 4. Was it verse 43? 43, is that right? Uh, no, sorry. Sorry. And the leper came to him, moved with pity. Verse 41. Sorry, I wrote it down wrong. He stretched out his hand and he touched him and he said, I will, I will be clean. Most amazing thing about that story is where it says that Jesus reached out his hand and did what? Do you realize how radical that was? I shouldn't say radical, illegal. For Jesus or anybody to touch him, let alone someone that was called a rabbi who should know better. Do you see the significance? Here is a man, untouchable, declared, has all the physical effects of the disease and an outcast. And what does Jesus do? Well, here's, here's a book on, on leprosy. Want not Peter hand it to him and pass it down? Jesus touched him. Think of all the people in your life that you wish had touched you. And I'm not talking about just little hugs. But there's something about people in there. There's something about people, if you've ever been in this situation, and some of us have, I I wouldn't say I put myself in that category, but you look at your life and think of just how totally shameful that you have seen your life. And then somebody has embraced you physically to say, let me express God's love to you. Let me physically and tangibly show you God's love. And my acceptance of you is because Jesus accepted me, regardless of the situation. May have been different, but I was no different than you. Such were some of you, Paul says. And I want to embrace you, I want to touch you. Well, that's great. But my touch and your touch is limited. I need the touch of Jesus to change my life. I need Jesus to tell me, be clean. This person was ceremonially unclean. He was cut off. They weren't allowed to even breathe the same air. That's the reason it says in Leviticus that when a leper was in the the area, they had to yell, unclean, unclean, because it was a warning. Stay away. Can you imagine going through life Declaring everywhere you went, reject, failure, shameful, adulterer, thief. Can you imagine declaring that all? But you know what? We may not shout it, but we often live lives where we are constantly covered by the garment of shame. As being untouchable. When Jesus reminds us, I have touched you and I've made you clean. You can't get any better than that. You can't get any better than that. You don't even have to go through the rituals. Jesus touched him, reached out and touched the leper and made him clean. Who are the untouchables of our time? Is it the homeless? The prison inmates? Sure. Those of you that minister in the prisons? Those who suffer mental illness, thankfully, we live in a day which that is not quite the stigma, but it still is oftentimes an issue. Jesus touches us in love, and we should be willing to touch others. We're living in a day in which there's great confusion, and I don't mean this in any way to be funny or comical. That's not my intent, but there is such great confusion even over what bathroom to use. And it's easy to get caught up in the hellfire and craziness of the issue. And, you know, trust me, I'm, I'm just as turned off by a lot of it as well. But let's not remember, when the day is done, those are human beings that are being affected, even in their confusion. They are human beings made in the image of God. Now, I'm not advocating, you know, modern changes in the law. I'm not talking about it. But let's remember in our vitriol, <laughs> these are human beings. Do they want to portray and see you as somebody? And that's the way the church often is viewed today, is angry, mad. And yeah, I am angry at unrighteousness and sin, and we should be. But I'm not angry at the person. Because you know why that person... Is only doing what they're the nature and the confusion. They need the touch of Jesus. Only listen, you pass all the laws you want. Nothing will change the heart like one touch of Jesus. It's that simple. Jesus still changes lives. I'm glad the leper didn't fall into the trap of thinking, well, you know what? I want to see Jesus. I want him to touch me, but you know what? I'm going to get myself clean before I go see him. How would that have worked out for him? wouldn't have worked. Many of us remember, whether you remember much of anything, if you ever watched a Billy Graham crusade, what is the hymn that always ends the crusade? And is the altar call? say it, just as I am without one plea. There's one line in that that goes, just as I am. Listen to these, this verse or stanza. Just as I am and waiting not to rid my soul of one dark blot to thee whose blood can cleanse each spot, O Lamb of God, I come. Waiting not to clean the spot, O Lamb of God, Come, Don't fall into the trap that you've got to get your life and act together and get cleaned up before you come to Jesus. You can't do it. Several years back, remember that clock radio that belonged to your dad? And there was something on the, it was, a plat, it was just a, really a cheap clock radio, but, you know, it had sentimental value. And there was something on there that I was determined to get off. I know that would surprise you, but anyway, <laughs> probably one of the few pastors that keeps those magic clean uh, erasers in his desk, okay? So there you go. That tells you all you need to know about me. But, uh, and I was trying, and, it had, and I tried, s- s- that, what's that, uh, s- Goo Gone? I mean, it was all sorts of stuff. You know what? That thing got worse and worse and worse till it was worse, 10 times worse if I just left it alone. But that's what we do when we try to manage and navigate and get ourselves clean. We got the remedy, we're going to clean up, and all of a sudden it's worse. Because we got into it, we made it worse. Jesus says, be clean. But there's also something else he says here. He says, go show, go show. Go show the priests. And if you've been touched by Jesus, you can't help but tell somebody. You don't have to go through a course on evangelism. If you've been changed, you can't help but give a reason for the hope that is in you. The Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say what? Say so. Say so. That's the best witnessing. Yes, it's good. You need to know scripture and you need to walk through people through the, you know, through the truth. That's great. But listen, you do not need a 12-week course when somebody asks you, why are you so happy standing in this long line at the grocery store? Because this is nothing. If you knew from where I came from, you'd stand in this line all day long with a smile. Because this is nothing compared To where God brought me from. Let me tell you what God did for me, since we've got lots of time to stand here in line. Huh? We got a captive audience, right? Go show yourself to the priests. Why? It says, as a what? Testimony to them. Maybe some of those Jewish priests could have been like a Nicodemus, who the Bible indicates was a clandestine follower and believer and sympathizer with Jesus. There were others. Maybe there were those that among those untouchables religious in the Pharisees that some would say, "Oh, let's not have anything to do with them." Jesus said, "You know what? It doesn't matter whether you're a leper or you're a rabbi that needs help. I love I love all. And I came to seek and to save which was lost." And he said, "You go Former leper, you go and show yourself to the priest so that it would, one, you still have to live on earth. You still have to live under the system. You need the priest to declare you ceremonially clean so you can come back into full participation, but also so that you would be a testimony to the power of Messiah to this priest. That's the reason you need to go and show yourself to the priest. Now, here's the irony. Here's the irony. Jesus tells us to go into all the world and share the gospel, right? And what do we do? We keep silent. He tells this guy, I want you to keep your mouth shut. That's the message version. I don't want you to say anything to anybody. And what does he do? He just goes and blabs it everywhere, right? What was Jesus, why was that, what was that all about? At this per, at this place and the timeline of Jesus's ministry, Jesus, at least people way more smarter than me, indicated that he was trying to prevent a premature mob and crowd from moving his mission off track by just all of a sudden... Remember in John 6, the crowd, when he fed them, what did they want to do? They wanted to make him what? King! He was trying to prevent that distraction as long as he could. So he said, "Just hey, just lay low. This guy who perhaps had restored fingers and toes and his skin was just perfect like a newborn baby healed by Jesus, do you think he wanted to lay low and be quiet? He wanted to shout and scream and tell everybody. I remember one time in a church I was pastoring and there was this particular woman uh, who was there? And she'd get playing the violin. And she wa- She was. I'm not talking about the the fiddler, you know. F- you know, a fiddling violin. I mean, she played orchestra, you know, class. She was a wonderful violinist, and she was part of the worship team. But every once in a while, as she would get in the presence of the Lord, that cultured woman playing the violin, those feet and legs wouldn't get so cultured. And she'd start to express and dance before the Lord. And I remember one Sunday I had this particular speaker there who I respected. And he was, you know, just a scholarly man. Good man. Knew him well. And he came here to preach. And I, I will confess. Lord, please today. Her name was Mary Kay. And she didn't sell the makeup. And I said, Lord, please, can Mary Kay just be calm today? Now do you need to know what happened on that day? <laughs> but the Lord checked me as I was sitting next to him. And I leaned over and I said, if you had any clue of where, what her life was like, that would be amazing to watch what she's doing. Why? Because Jesus touched her, changed her life. She couldn't remain silent. This morning, before we, uh, oh, let me, that's a great verse. Let me put this out there. I want to show you a quick video and we're done. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. Now listen to this, Psalm 107, 1 and 2. Has the Lord redeemed you? Question. Then do what? Speak out. Tell others he has redeemed you from your enemies. Some of you may have, uh, anybody ever read the book, A Rag Muffin Gospel? How many of you know that book? Anybody? Get the book. You need to read that. It's a, it's just a, it's a, it just oozes grace. Okay? If you need a little grace CPR, get that. Read the Bible. That's the best grace book. But uh, Brennan Manning, who is with the Lord now, was a former Catholic priest, and uh, God used him in tremendous ways. And he wrote this book. And it's just it's just you know sold millions of copies, and it just is a, it's just a, a wonderful, easy read, but it just it'll encourage you, it'll minister to you, and he's just so transparent you know with his life and failures but it just it's just a great book. Somebody needs to be reminded about the grace of God in their life. This is a great, easy book to read. Uh, and give them that will encourage them, and again focus on Jesus. And so I have this little audio clip. Uh, just want to make sure the audio's on up there. Maybe just bump it a hair because it starts out a little low. But this is just about a two-minute clip of him preaching. That as I just as I heard, I said I, I think that's a great way to end the message today. So just just listen for a moment to Brennan Manning. The
1: compassion of Jesus is the compassion of Almighty God. And Jesus says to your heart and mind tonight, don't ever be so foolish as to measure my compassion for you in terms of your compassion for one another. Don't ever be so silly as to compare your thin, pallid, wavering, moody, dependent on smooth circumstances, human compassion with mine, for I am God as well as man. When you read in the gospel." that Jesus was moved with compassion, it is saying his gut was wrenched, his heart torn open, the most vulnerable part of his being laid bare. The ground of all being shook, the source of all life trembled, the heart of all love burst open, and the unfathomable depths of the relentless tenderness was laid bare. Your Christian life and mine don't make any sense unless in the depth of our beings we believe That Jesus, not only knows what hurts us, but knowing, seeks us out, whatever our poverty, whatever our pain. His plea to his people is, come now wounded, frightened, angry, lonely, empty, and I'll meet you where you live. And I love you as you are, not as you should be, because you're never going to be as you should be. Do you really believe this, that with all the wrong turns you made in your past, the mistakes, the moments of selfishness dishonesty and degraded love do you really believe that jesus christ loves you not the person next to you not the church not the world but that he loves you beyond worthiness and unworthiness beyond fidelity and infidelity that he loves you in the morning sun and the evening rain without caution regret boundary limit no matter what's gone down he can't stop loving you this is the jesus of the Gospels.